0: The audio that you're listening to is recorded for Newfound Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for Newfound Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listened to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sermon Thought. Why God loves you. The responsive reading for this week's sermon comes from the first chapter of John's Gospel, starting at the sixth verse and going through the eighteenth verse, with the key verses being the sixteenth and the seventeenth verse. Background scripture for today's sermon coming from the third chapter of Malachi, starting at the first verse and going through the seventh verse, also 1 Corinthians, the thirteenth chapter, verses four through eight. say to you once again that we are in the holy season. We are in a season where we should be celebrating the grace and the mercy of God. Here in our key verse again for today, John tells us that out of the fullness, that is out of the abundance of God, we have all received grace for grace. That is to say that we have received grace continuously. All i right, all right. tell you, there is not a day that goes by that I do not think about how good God has been to me, mm-hmm. how good God has been to you, how good God has been to all of those that are around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When I think about all that God has done for me and all that he has done for you. I often have this one particular thought that comes to my mind and maybe you have shared in this thought as well. Have you ever wondered why God loves you? That is what I asked you today. Have you ever wondered why God cares about And why God loves you. Now, wondering this, I believe, is a thought that many of us believers, I believe that we all share in it at some point in time in our walk of faith. And and I would say that I believe that this has been a a thought shared by believers for generations and generations, for thousands and thousands of years. This thought for me, at least it comes to my mind again when I think about all that God has done for me. When I think about all that God has brought me through, how I have overcome in this life. You see, God's grace, it was confirmed for all of us when he gave us his only begotten son to save us from sin. So even before you and I were in this world, God loved us. Yes, sir. He cared about us to give us his only mm-hmm. begotten son. All right. All right. Sadly, this love in our world today, it is scoffed at, as you have heard me say before. It is mocked and it is ignored. It is undervalued and it is underappreciated as well. I believe this happens to be the case because many of us, we do not understand how grave and how tragic our sin is. We do not understand. In other words, how terrible sin is for us. Mm -hmm. So therefore we don't understand the punishment that the Lord has in store for sin itself, as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, because we do not understand these things, I would say to you today that we don't truly understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we do not understand ourselves, we do not understand our sin. Right. We do not understand the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. And again, if we cannot understand the Lord, our God, mm-hmm. then we cannot understand his love. Mm-hmm. We cannot understand why God loves us. All right. All right. Now, first and foremost, the love of God, his grace, it is unmerited. It is undeserved. Mm-hmm. The reason why this happens to be the case is because all of us have transgressed against him. Oh, yeah. In other words, all of us have been disobedient to his word. And for our disobedience, we saw it last week, we should be punished. We, we should be punished, yet the Lord, our God, because he loves us, he has not punished us. Those that understand this thought would understand what Peter said about the prophets, when he said that those prophets of old, they sought after and they inquired about God's salvation. Those prophets of old, they, they desire to receive what we have been given, and what we have today and what you and I have today is the salvation of God because we have genuinely believed in his only begotten son, who again was given to us out of God's love for us. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So when I think about Christ, mm-hmm. when I think again about God giving him to us, All right. I again wonder why. Come on, son. Come on. What did we do to earn the love of God? What did we do to earn the privilege to be able to dwell under his grace? What did we do to earn the right to inherit the eternal kingdom of God? Again, I ask, have you ever wondered why God loves you? Why does the Lord love any of us when we are nothing but sinners? Why did God show us such love? To further explain my thought process about this, I think about who I am and I think about my place within the Lord's creation. All right. I think of how small and how insignificant yeah. Yeah. I am in all of this. Mm-hmm. I, I think about what is said in the book of Job when Job had been questioning the Lord and the Lord. He spoke to Job out of a whirlwind and he had mm-hmm. questions for Job. The Lord, he asked Job, where was he when he laid the foundations of his creation? God, he asked Job, well, do you have the power to bind and to loosen the, the star constellations that we see in our night sky? You see, the Lord, when he was asking Job these questions, He was making plain and clear to Job and therefore to us as well, his omnipotence. He was making plain and clear to us and to Job, his sovereignty over all of his creation. In the book of Isaiah, we see where the Lord said that heaven is his throne. In other words, the Lord was saying that heaven is his dwelling place. Mm-hmm. And then about earth, the Lord said that it is merely his footstool. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Tell so I'm like David, who in the eighth Psalm, he considered the works of God's fingers. He considered right. the moon. He <clears> considered <throat> the stars that, again, we see in our night sky that we know are out there in the universe, and he considered how they are obedient to the ordinances of the Lord our God. And in mm-hmm. David, he in the eighth psalm, he considered how small and how insignificant that he is amongst God's creation as well. Mm-hmm. See, I like David. I, I recognize God's sovereignty. I recognize God's omnipotence over His creation. And and I come to understand my place within it. Come on, come on. See, I kind of understand that Earth is just a a tiny dot amongst God's creation, and and I happen to be a a grain of sand on that tiny dot within all of God's creation. Yet God cares about me. All right, yeah, yeah. Like David, after realizing my place within God's creation, I'm left wondering, who am I that God actually thinks about? Mm -hmm. That God actually cares about? That God actually loves me. David, he in the eighth Psalm, he asks, what is man that God is mindful of him? And the Son of Man that God visits him. Who am I that God visits me? Mm-hmm. Not sometimes, but all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And God, as David said, He knows my sitting down, He knows my rising up, He knows my thoughts afar off. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for me, that's for all of you as well. God, I tell you today that he is infatuated with us. Mm -hmm. God, I tell you today, he is heavily invested in us. And again, I I say to you today that to me, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense to me that my creator would be so infatuated with me when I'm so small and insignificant in his creation. Well, well. It, it boggles my mind because you see in our world, mm-hmm. with those who think they have power, oh, okay. they think little of those who are small and who are insignificant. Therefore me. They think little to nothing about me. Oh, yeah. But God, on the other hand, is mm-hmm. quite different. Mm-hmm. God cares about me. Mm-hmm. And the Lord loves me. And again, I say to you today, that's not just for me. All right. That's for all of you as well. Oh, yeah. You see, the truth of the matter is that God loves you and that he is heavily invested in you. All that you are doing and all that you are going through, God loves you and God cares about you. Again, some of us, we may be wondering why. You may be finally thinking about it now that I've explained all of my thoughts to you. You may be wondering now why God loves you. Well, in the eighth Psalm and in the fifth and the sixth verse, David, he pointed out that though we were created lower than the angels... David pointed out that God crowned us with glory and honor to have dominion over the works of his hands. All right. And as I said to all of you during the month of January and February, the Lord, our God, he created us perfect, mm-hmm. holy and righteous. Yeah, yeah. You see, I say to you today that God loves you because he created you in his image. The Lord created you in his likeness. Mm-hmm. He created you to be just like him. Mm-hmm. He created you to be one of his own. All right. I want you to understand that though we were created lower than the angels, we are special. Mm-hmm. You are a treasure in God's eyes. Oh, yeah. We are so special in God's eyes that as we saw in our key verse, that he abounds in nothing but grace towards us. Grace around the clock. Grace for grace is what John said. Grace is love. Love, he abounds towards us continuously. As it is shared with us in the book of Jeremiah, God's interest and his investment in us, it is likened to him being a potter who is at his will, molding and shaping us as vessels. Mm -hmm. The work of a potter, it is a messy work, working with clay. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is a work that is done out of love. Mm -hmm. It is a work that is done out of care as well. Some would suggest to you that God has abandoned his creation, that God don't love you and that God does not care about you. But I would say to them today that God is still at the wheel, yes, yes. that the Lord, our God, he is still, as we saw last week, he's still molding. He's still shaping us. In other words, he's still working on us. He's still improving us so that we can grow and so that we can flourish for the better. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Even when we become marred in his hands, Mm -hmm. the Lord, he reforms, and he sits at that wheel, still crafting and still shaping us Mm -hmm. into his image and into his likeness as well. Now, many of us, we undervalue ourselves, Because you see, we recognize something about us. We recognize that we are marred in the Lord's hands. In other words, we recognize that we are diminished vessels in the Lord's hands. In other words, we see our flaws and we see our imperfections. And we see that as another reason as to why God should not love us. And again, it doesn't make any sense to us that the Lord still loves us Mm -hmm. when we are flawed individuals. When we aren't perfect, it makes no sense Mm -hmm. that God will take time out to love us, to love me. Mm -hmm. As it is expressed by the prophet Isaiah, we see ourselves as an unclean thing. That our righteousness is uh, like filthy rags. Mm-hmm. You and I, we know that we are sinners and even when we try to do good, we believe in our minds that it don't matter right. because no good can come from what is bad. No good can come from sin. We in our minds believe, hey, when something is filthy, it should be thrown away. All right. All right. It should be thrown out. In the garbage, in the trash. We would think that we should be thrown out by God. But thankfully, God is of another mindset. Thankfully, God hasn't given up on us yet. All right. Thankfully, the Lord, our God, is willing to wash us those filthy rags. He shows us, as we saw last week, mercy. And again, he shows us grace. God, he is willing to give us opportunity after opportunity. And again, I say to you this week that we ought to be thankful. We ought to be appreciative. We ought to be saying thank you right now because the Lord, our God, loves us. So the question that some of us will ask is why has God not given up on us? Some of you may be thinking right now, why has God not given up on me? And again, you may be wondering, why does God love me with this capacity of love? I'm not worthy of it. We will think I don't deserve it. We will think. So in order for you to understand why God loves you, we must first begin by taking a look at the nature of God. We must see who God is. So let's take a look at who God is today. Some may believe the nature of God to be a mystery, but the Lord, I tell you today, we'll see he has never hidden who he is to us. As it is shown in the first epistle of John, we are told there in the fourth chapter of his first epistle in the eighth and in the 16th verse that God is love. So I want you to understand today that God loves you because it is in his nature for him to love you. To the Corinthians, Paul, he wrote that love it suffers long and it is kind love. Paul said that it is patient and that it bears with all things You recall last week how God is incredibly patient with us. You recall last week how I said that the Lord, he suffers, he endures great pain and hurt due to our transgressions that we commit against him. God, he could have destroyed us a long time ago. But as I've already said today, he hasn't destroyed us. Here we are still today. Another chance, another opportunity to where we who are of faith, we have been saved by the Lord, our God. So, again, we know that God loves us. Again, we know that the Lord is merciful. And again, we know that he is willing to save us from our transgressions, our disobedience against him. Paul, he then wrote to the Corinthians that love does not behave rudely, nor does it think evil. Mm -hmm. God thoughts we know are not evil towards us. Mm -hmm. God's thoughts towards us are of peace, a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. God, again, I tell you today that he loves you. God does not tempt you to sin. God does not desire for you to do evil. God is incapable, we know, of sinning. God will not tempt us to sin because he does not know sin. God will not tempt you to do what is wicked, what is unrighteous. He will not tempt you to do evil because God doesn't know what is unrighteous because he himself is righteous. God will not tempt you to do what is evil because he himself is benevolent. He is good. He desires for you. He wants you to do what is good. see, God, he is righteous We'll see, secondly, that he wants us again to grow and to flourish. That's why he loves us. All right. The work of love is to uplift. So in his nature, God, he uplifts us because he loves us. Now, after these two statements from Paul, Paul, he says something that is very significant about the love of God that I want to key in on here today in the 13th chapter of first Corinthians. And in the sixth verse, Paul wrote that love does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice in sin. Love Paul said rejoices in the truth. God is love. So God does not rejoice in what is wrong. He doesn't rejoice in sin. He doesn't know sin. Mm -hmm. All God knows is what is righteous because he is righteous. So God rejoices in the truth. What is good. Mm -hmm. So what this means for us is that there is another reason as to why God loves us. Yes, God loves us because we are a special treasure in his eyes. Mm -hmm. But the Lord also loves us because it revolves around truth. The other reason as to why God loves you, it revolves around his truth. We have to remember that the Lord is the author of what is right and what is good. He is the one that defines the truth. God loves you because he rejoices in his truth. He delights in what is good and therefore he delights in upholding what is right. He delights in upholding what is good, what is true. He delights therefore in doing what is good. Now, again, I want you to understand that what is good and true, it has been defined by God. God determines what is righteous. So in order for the Lord to rejoice in the truth, he must abide by the truth. Mm -hmm. The Lord must then therefore be faithful. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. God must be faithful to the truth. God must be faithful to his truth. Mm -hmm. He must be faithful to his word. So, what I'm trying to say to you today is that God loves you because it is in his nature to be faithful to his word. Do you understand that today? Oh, yes. You see, the Lord, he must be faithful. Mm-hmm. Not just to us. Get this. All right. The Lord must be faithful to himself. Yeah, yeah. God must be faithful to himself. God loves you because he knows the truth about himself and he knows what he has promised. God has promised to give you peace out of the abundance of his grace. God promised out of the abundance of his grace to never leave you nor to forsake you. See, God moves to be faithful to his every word because if he fails, he becomes a liar. Mm -hmm. And lying is of sin, but God doesn't know sin. So the Lord, he must be faithful to his word because if he was lying, he'd be lying to us. But guess who else God would be lying to? He would be lying to himself. God loves you because he does not desire to lie to you nor to himself. God loves you today because he does not desire to fail. Mm-hmm. He cannot fail. Love, as Paul said, does not fail. All right. And God is love. Yeah. So the Lord, he must succeed. Mm-hmm. And in order for him to succeed, God must be faithful. If we only understood love on this level, Mm -hmm. then we, mankind, we would never fail. Mm -hmm. See, worldly love, it fails when you and I aren't true and faithful to ourselves first. God succeeds where we fail because he has the patience to remain true and faithful to himself. Whereas we, mankind, we will cave and we will give up on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We will give up on our own truth. We wouldn't hold ourselves accountable to our every word, whereas the Lord holds himself accountable to his every word. You see, if we can't be true and faithful to ourselves, how in the world could we ever love all of those that are around us? It's time for something in us to change. So understand today that God loves you because in his faithfulness, he cannot deny his nature he cannot deny himself in the seventh chapter of Deuteronomy in the seventh and in the eighth verse, you will see that Moses said of God to the children of Israel, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath, which he swore to your fathers, mm-hmm. God, he loved the children of Israel because he made an oath. Mm-hmm. God, he loved the children of Israel because he made an everlasting covenant, mm-hmm. which he swore to their fathers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was sworn to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. To Abraham, the Lord, he promised to give him and his offspring a land to dwell in. Mm-hmm. The land of promise, the promised land. Mm-hmm. To Abraham, God, he also promised him that his descendants would be as innumerable as the stars at night and the grains of sand on the seashore. Yeah. Yeah. God, as we have seen in scripture, he was faithful to keep that word. Mm-hmm. As we saw last week the Lord delivered the children of Israel to the promised land, and they were a great multitude of people. God, again, as we have seen, he was faithful to keep his vow. And I say to you today that the Lord is faithful to keep what he has promised us as well. Whether you are Jew or Gentile today, the Lord, our God, he loves you because he has made an oath. With you. Do you understand that today? God has made an everlasting covenant with you. For for those of you who may be lost and not understanding what I'm saying here to you today. You see, the Lord has made a covenant that He has sworn to you. And it was promised to you before you even existed in this world. It goes all the way back to the garden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see in the third chapter of Genesis and in the 15th verse. We'll see that the Lord, he spoke to the serpent mm-hmm. and the Lord, he said to the serpent that he was going to bruise the serpent's head. See, considering what we know about serpents, you see, you defeat a serpent by bruising the top of that old head, by whacking that head. Mm -hmm. We know that that serpent that was in the garden, we know that it was the devil. We know that it was Satan. Mm -hmm. So right there in the garden, in the third chapter of Genesis and in the 15th verse, Mm -hmm. the Lord, he made an oath, he made a promise to defeat the devil. Because the devil he was deceiving mankind already right there at the jump in the garden. Yeah, yeah. You see, Satan he caused mankind to lose his glory, his mm. righteousness for which we were created in by God. Let us remember that God again he is so invested in us because he desires for us to return back unto the glory. Into the image and into the likeness that he created us in. Mm-hmm. So there was one more promise that was made to us. And it came through the covenant that God made with Abraham. Well. God, he promised Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed through him not some people, but all people. And as my uncle said, everybody would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. Guess who came through the seed of Abraham. If you don't know, let me give you a bit of a history lesson here. And I'll go to the book of Malachi, which was the last book of the old Testament. There's a prophecy that is there in the book of Malachi in the third chapter. Mm -hmm. We'll see this prophecy, which was given prior to the 400 years of silence between the testaments. There in the first through the fifth verse, Mm -hmm. we'll see the prophet Malachi. He spoke of the coming of two future messengers. Mm -hmm. The first messenger that Malachi spoke of there in the first verse, the prophet said, will prepare the way before the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And if you was here for the Sunday school lesson last week, or if you watched or you listened, this will sound very familiar to you. Because this prophecy is about John the Baptist, who we know was the Messiah's forerunner. He set the path for Christ. Mm -hmm. There's a second messenger that we'll see Malachi mentioned there within those verses there. The second messenger the prophet spoke of is referred to as being the messenger of the covenant. Mm -hmm. The covenant. The messenger of the covenant is none other than the one given to the world out of God's love. The one that was given to the world out of God's love is his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Christ was given to the world out of God's love in order to fulfill that covenant that again goes all the way back to the third chapter of Genesis and was made with Abraham where again, the Lord, he promised to defeat Satan and therefore save mankind. Mm-hmm. You see, I, I speak of uh, the covenant with you today because again, many of us, we have wondered why. Why does God love me? Mm-hmm. Is what we wonder. Why is it that God is so mindful Why is it that God is so invested in what I do, Mm -hmm. in how I carry myself? Well, the Lord, he loves you because, again, he has made a covenant with you. And the Lord has made a covenant with himself as well. The covenant that the Lord has made with us, is it not what is promised to us in the third chapter of John's gospel and the 16th verse? Is it not that if we have faith in his only begotten son, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. Is that not a promise from God that if we believe in his only begotten son, we will have everlasting life. I I don't know about you today, but that sounds like a covenant. That sounds like a promise to me. And I believe when I stand before you every first Sunday, And I take that cup. I tell you that that cup is representative of a new covenant. And that new covenant is Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is that new covenant. And again, I believe today that if I have faith in him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. I believe it because God promised it. And from what I have seen and what God has shown me, He is one who goes about working to fulfill what he has promised. When the world thinks that God does not love it, it again has been confirmed to us by the giving of Jesus Christ. As Paul said in his letter to the Romans, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As I said in the Sunday school lesson, God doesn't have to prove that He loves us. Right. God simply loves us. Mm-hmm. God's love for us, I tell you today, that it runs deep. Yeah. Because He promised in the garden to save us even when we were undeserving sinners. Right. When we were a filthy mess, mm-hmm. God promised us mm-hmm. when mama and dad were sinners. When grandmama and Granddad were sinners and all of our great greats and great greats that we don't know of when they were sinners as well. As he did with Abraham, the Lord has made an everlasting covenant with you today. And again, as we have seen, the Lord is faithful to keep his word. God loves you because again, he cannot deny himself. The Lord has said, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Mm -hmm. And in the sixth verse, there in the third chapter of Malachi, the Lord said there, because I do not change, you have not been consumed. Mm -hmm. Some of us believe that we are not worthy of God's love. And I tell you again that I understand it. I get that thought every now and then it comes up in my mind. I'm not worthy of this love that God has shown to me and to all of my loved ones and to all of those that are around me. I look around and I see what we do and how we treat each other. Yeah. And I see how messy we are, how petty we are, how incredibly foolish we are. And I just think to myself, man, the Lord loves us. And we're just not worthy of it. I oh, yeah. see how ungrateful we are, how unappreciative we are. How how we are in the holy season and how churches should be filled up today. And yet I look around and again, I think we aren't worthy of it, but God, he still loves us. We must understand that God is faithful to his nature and that he cannot avoid it because God, again, is love. No matter how much we mess up, God is love no matter how much we transgress against him, God is love and he will pick us up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, we wonder how could God loves us. And again, the answer is just that he is faithful to himself in the second. And then the third verse there in the third chapter of Malachi, the prophet said that the messenger of the covenant is like a refiner's fire and launderer's soap. He rinses and he purifies is what the prophet said there. You see, we as filthy rags, we need to be cleaned, don't we? We need to be cleaned in order for us to truly flourish spiritually. And God, again, He keeps His word and He loves you by spiritually washing and cleaning you daily around the clock through the inner dwelling of the Holy Spirit. God, He, again, He loves you because, again, He cannot deny Himself. Now, this may not make sense to those that are of the world, but let us remember God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are his ways like ours. They are far higher than ours. And as I said last week, I am thankful that God is not one of us. I am thankful that God is not like us because you see, If somebody was to treat us the way that we treat God, we would have gotten rid of them a long time ago. We would have thrown that relationship away. But again, here we stand today. Our fellowship is still there with the Lord because we are of faith and because God loves us. Because he is also, again, faithful to himself though God's love of us may seem like a deep mystery to some it should not be a deep mystery for us his children god loves you as a loving parent he is deeply invested in you because he wants you to prosper and i'm not talking about prospering in the world the lord wants you to prosper spiritually he wants you to prosper unto his righteousness So the Lord, he will bless you and he will give you the desires of your heart so that you can grow, so that you can improve and so that you can flourish as well. God, he will lift you up every time you fall down so that you again can improve. The Lord, I say to you today, he has again promised to restore you unto his image and unto his likeness. And therefore he is heavily invested in you Therefore, he is heavily invested in your progress. And because he's heavily invested in your progress, God is going to love you. And the Lord, he is going to live with you forever while you are in this world, because he desires for you to live with him forever in his heavenly kingdom. This is why God loves you. Amen. Amen. Amen.